Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5, yes. to the end zone. Touchdown, and a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Hey yo, Packer fans, what is going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. Today I am not joined with my two good buddies, Scott the Vanilla Gorilla and Tyler aka T Plush. But you can find Scott on Twitter at Vanilla7Gorilla. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. And with the holiday week, with people driving back home due to the upcoming storm here in Wisconsin, and a whole bunch of other things, and just life in general, I am going to be by myself tonight. So sorry in advance for that, um, that you're going to have to listen to me for an entire podcast. But hopefully you guys enjoy um, before we get into the actual Packers talk, I do want to shout out our podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Um, and that has all of our podcasts on that Twitter feed. Um, so our Brewers Trilogy podcast, our Bucks Trilogy podcasts are on there. We share that on there. We share that on Facebook. Um, on Twitter, we're a little bit more active in terms of sharing other things and kind of giving our takes in 160 characters here and there and also we have a giveaway going on um so if you looked at at our pinned tweet on our twitter account again that's trilogy underscore pod and you can enter for a chance to win a Giannis jersey and basically the only thing we're missing right now is getting to our follow total that we were waiting for so and i believe we're oh 40 30 40 followers away so make sure you guys are following us there tell your friends about it and try to win a free Yanis jersey because who doesn't want that um so we are going to get right into the Packers talk um so on today's show we are I'm going to take a look back at that terrible terrible game um that happened in Santa Clara on Sunday night football I am going to talk about a little bit of adjustments that I think need to be made. Now, I am no football coach, and Matt LaFleur, Mike Patton, all those guys probably have forgotten more football than I will ever know, but just as a fan and one that pays a lot of attention to this team, there's some things that I think could be a help to this team and to the rest of this season and really help them get there, get to where they want to go. Um, and I still think that is Miami in February. So I'm going to look at that. Then we're going to look ahead to the Giants game. 
um, and kind of preview that one. Um, I'm going to focus a lot on the adjustments that I think we need to make just because I feel like that's a little bit more important. I will get to the Giants game and things I think the Packers need to do in that game in order to win it. Um, But just for me, after that whole game that happened on Sunday and the reaction that has since come from that, I wanted to make sure that we talk about it a little bit more in depth. Um, Tyler and I were a little bit in our feelings when we recorded that podcast and just needed a little bit of a rant session. So hopefully I can put it in a little bit better perspective for you guys in this one. So without further ado, we'll go and talk about that 49ers game. First, I want to start defensively. Now, defensively, I have one main adjustment that I would like to see, and that is I want to see a little bit more press man coverage on the back end for the Packers because I know this is not something that you can do all the time, especially on defense, really on offense too, but on defense, you need to disguise what you're doing. You need to disguise your coverages. You need to make it look like something pre-snap and have it be something completely different um, when the play is actually going on because that is going to confuse quarterbacks. That's going to make them hold the ball longer. That's going to make them make the wrong read, make the wrong decision, etc. cetera. Um, so I think that is still vitally important. I would just like to see a little bit less of the soft coverages, even if it's man um, – or zone, I just want to see some more press coverages, specifically press man coverages, because I think that is going to help this team out a lot defensively. So if you look how at how this team is built, and really how it was built in this offseason alone, and it, it, it just makes a ton of sense to play press man. Now you got those corners from... Not this past draft, but the draft before you got Jair and Josh Jackson. The year before that, you get Kevin King. And I think you have to use these players and use them as press man cover corners. And I think that's the best option for them outside of Josh Jackson, but he's really not seeing the field. So I think you need to use those two in King and Alexander as your press man on the outside using Tremont Williams as a press man in the slot when he is available to do that, when he's needed to do that. And he, by all accounts, has been very good this year, especially for his age. But if you're doing that on the corner, on the edges there with your cornerbacks on the receivers, one that's going to make the receiver not get a perfect release and it's going to screw up the timing. And your defense, like I just mentioned, has been built – This way that if you use those two and three, if you're including Tremont Williams, if they have a slot receiver, if you use those three corners to do press man, you have the two safeties on the back end to help when and if they get burnt in press man. And the nature of press man coverage is they are going to get burnt. That's just the nature of (laughs) what that is. Eventually, Wide receivers are too damn good in this league. Even if they're not the elite receivers, they are going to beat cornerbacks in press man coverage eventually. It might not be every play, might not be every other play, but there's going to be times where any 
pretty much any wide receiver in this league is going to beat press man coverage just because it is so hard for a cornerback to do it, especially for an extended period of time. And having the safeties that you have, Adrian Amos has been good this year. Um, Consistently where we need him to be, Darnell Savage has not been as good recently. But I think if you give him kind of half the field, maybe slim down his responsibilities a little bit and just let him play, read the quarterback and know that he has the deep half the field, I think that would be good for him. Um, So you have those two on the back end to help your corners if and when they get beat on that press man coverage. And then on top of that, which I think those two positions are made well for this press man, and then you add in the defensive line and that outside linebackers group. You have Preston, you have Zadarius on the outsides. Um, Sometimes you put Zadarius on the inside and you have either Rashawn Gary or Kyler Fackrell. And then you got Kenny Clark coming up the middle. You have whoever else is on the field at the time, whether it's Montrevious Adams, whether it's Dean Lowry, whether it's Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, whoever it happens to be, you have those guys to go get the quarterback. And when the quarterback has to take a little bit extra time to throw the football, even if it's on a quicker route, because you're in press man coverage and the the wide receiver can't get a solid release from the line or a clean release from the line, that is going to give your pass rushers, even if it's a half second, how many times have we seen Zadarius just miss sacks because he's just late? I feel like that press man coverage can help him get there. It can help the other guys get there. And even if they don't get the sack, maybe affect the throw. Maybe have the quarterback throw it away instead of being able to find the open man um, because you brought the timing back on the play and then that gave your pass rush a little bit extra time and all the quarterback can do is throw it away because the receiver isn't quite open yet because you affected the timing so I just think it's gonna help the cornerbacks in the safeties kind of play more together and hopefully that will help in the long run I also feel like it's just gonna help this pass rush and that can't hurt and I think if you let Blake Martinez go on some of those as well, like he showed in the 49ers game, he got to the quarterback, got a sack. You know, I just, I think it could help this defense a ton. And I think it's something that I I would love to see more of. Moving along to the offensive side of the ball, um, I have a little bit more in terms of adjustments. I have a couple of them that I would like to see. Um, And I want to start this off by saying that, Devontae Adams is not the problem in this offense. And I'm just going to start there. But when you look back and look at this offense when he was out due to injury, they were very good. Probably the best we've seen them all year that month stretch when Devontae was out. This offense was good. Hell, this offense might have been elite in that stretch. They were they were extremely good. They got the job done every single week. There was no weeks where they just didn't show up like there has been the last few games with the Chargers and and now the 49ers. So what what does this mean? What what does Devontae coming back and our offense getting worse mean? 
Like I said, no, this does not mean Devontae Adams is the problem. He is a top-flight receiver in this league, bona fide number one, at the very least top-five receiver in the league. I think he's a top-three receiver in the league personally, but, I mean, I have a Packers podcast. I am probably a little bit biased on that. So what what can we do to get back to what that offense was without Devontae Adams? First and foremost... I think the Packers and Matt LaFleur need to run the damn ball with Aaron Jones. This guy, he's not going to win the MVP, but he damn well deserves to be in the conversation for MVP because if Christian McCaffrey is, Aaron Jones damn well better be in that conversation as well because he has been phenomenal. Um, Absolutely incredible stuff. Going into last week, he was tied with McCaffrey for the most touchdowns in the league. Um, you just, you can't deny how good this kid is and you can't get away from during that month when Devante was out, you, you, he was the focal point. We, we ran the offense through him. It was like the Milwaukee Bucks offense. You run it through Giannis when he's on the court. That's what, that's what the Packers did when Devontae was out. They ran it through Aaron Jones. And now all of a sudden you get Devontae back, who coming into the year undoubtedly was the better weapon. Um, and I still think he probably is the better weapon in terms of just what they're able to do and position-wise and all that stuff. But Aaron Jones is right there with him at this point. They're 1A, 1B. There's not a 1 and 2. They're 1A, 1B in terms of weapons on this offense. So you can't just go to one of them. You need to make them both focal points of the offense. And it really hasn't seemed like that. It seems like the game plan has been Devontae's number one. Aaron Rodgers is number two. Aaron Jones is number three. And that's not how it should be, in my opinion. And... I mean, if you look at the last three games, if you look since Devontae got back, like the the stats, the the eye test kind of tell you the same thing. Like they are not doing it how it should be done. Um, it just it hasn't been good since he got back, and that you shouldn't get a top three receiver in the league back and your offense get worse. So it's it has to be something with the game plan. Um, another thing I would like to see them do is. Use Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Danny Vitale in the pass game more frequently. Now, I don't think it needs to be every play. I don't think they need to be running flies and wheels and posts down the field all the time. Um, But I do think some screen game, and I know we saw some of that in the 49ers game, um, but more a better run screen game because it did not seem good against the 49ers. I think just getting them maybe on some angle routes here and there, splitting them out and having them run some slants, some drags, just try to get them in space, especially in man coverage. Like they're not receivers in terms of their route running, but if you get Aaron Jones in some space, you split them out wide and have them run a slant against a linebacker. Yeah. Good luck. Because that linebacker is not keeping up with him because he could break either way. He could have an out route. He could have a slant. And good luck to that linebacker, whoever. I don't even think – I don't think there's a linebacker in the league that can cover Aaron Jones. So 
I'd like to see them used, running backs in general used, more often in the past game. I think Danny Vitale was absolutely electric in the preseason. Now it's the preseason, I know, but he just hasn't been involved at all in the in the game plan, and that's something that I'd like to see a little bit more of. Um, but we still need Aaron Jones to be the focal point of the backs. He needs to be getting upwards of 60, 70, 75. I think 75 would be the number for me. Maybe that's not realistic. Maybe you're still concerned about making sure he's ready for the postseason and not injured. I get it, but it still needs to be more than 50-50 at this point. Um, the next thing, I just, I'd like to see some of those leak plays that we saw. I think we saw... Early on, or not early on, it was a few weeks ago now, we saw a leak play for Jake Kumro, I believe. Um, some more tight end leaks for Big Bob. He was back this week. Some Featuring those tight ends a little bit more, I think, would be nice. And some of those more specialty plays that hasn't really felt like we've been able to see as much as I originally thought we were going to see so seeing some of those more special plays um and really maybe not even the special plays just the ones where we see jamal williams and aaron jones out on the field at the same time and we get an orbit motion from aaron jones the first play they do that it is a kind of bubble screen off the orbit motion to aaron jones and then the next time we see it same exact motion from aaron jones same formation but then we get a slip screen on the opposite side of the formation to Jamal Williams for a touchdown. Now, this was a while ago. I can't even remember what game that was in. But more of those plays that build off each other like that, that make defenses think, okay, what else is what else could happen off of this? Or they see that same thing the second time. They're like, oh, I know the play. And then they're completely caught out of position, and it's going the other way, the other side of the field, and it's they're already in the end zone, and there's nothing you can do. I'd just like to see some more of that. Third is, I kind of mentioned this to start this segment of the offense, is just move the game plan off of Tay a little bit. I'm not saying don't include him in the game plan because that would just be terrible and just that's not how you play football. When you have a guy of this caliber, you get him in the game plan. But I think just ever so slightly bringing it back, Um, I think a lot of fans are thinking that Aaron Rodgers is the issue where he has his safety net back in Devontae Adams, so he's just going to look to him for everything. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's Matt LaFleur almost has his safety net back. He's got got Devontae Adams as the number one read all the time. Pretty Okay, it's not all the time. But a lot of the times, that's what's happening. Rodgers looks to him first. That tells me Rodgers first read is Devonte Adams and Devonte Adams is a really good wide receiver so he's going to be open on a lot of those but a lot of those are the shorter routes whether it's an out route whether it's a bubble screen whether it's a slant whether whether it's a whatever it happens to be it just we haven't seen a lot of deep down the pass down the field passes to Devontae Adams and when we have it's the first read and Aaron Rodgers takes it but he's not really open he's just trying to kind of throw him open and know that Devontae can go make a play on pretty much anything 
Um, so I would like to see maybe Devante occasionally, not all the time, but brought down in that progression to the second or third progression more as a safety net and let your other players try to get open and let Aaron look at them first. And then if they don't get open, then you have Devonte Adams or you have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Danny Vitale in the flat for your checkdowns. Because I feel like that's a more advantageous spot to look at the receivers that don't always get looked at and see if they can make a play, get open and throw them the football. If that doesn't happen, then you have Devante, you have Aaron Jones. Now, I don't think that's fundamentally what you should do all the time, but I think throwing that wrinkle in and having some different looks other than just looking Devante's way is going to be advantageous for this offense. Um, so kind of to go along with that, I just think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers did a great job of spreading the football around when Devante wasn't on the field. And I think that's something that we need to shoot for. And I think if the game plan changes a little bit and the reads kind of vary a little bit more than they had been, I think that will be a way to move the ball around. My last offensive adjustment is get Geronimo Allison off the fucking field, please. He he was so promising at the beginning of last year. And part of the reason he was so promising is because he caught everything. And even if you're just running slants or not like flies deep down the field and things like that. But if you're catching those passes um, occasionally, uh, I mean pretty occasionally, make a guy miss a tackle and you get an extra few yards after the catch, you're going to look pretty good. But when you're Allison this year and for, for all intents and purposes, doesn't seem like he can make any sort of catch at any point um, – and that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it, he's just not making the plays he used to make. He And it's not even remotely close to what he used to be. It's just really frustrating. And if you can't have the added benefit of being able to make guys miss or just being able to create space more often outside of what the scheme is allowed to, to give you, I think it it just makes it really, really hard for um, you to make an impact. And straight up, he hasn't. He hasn't been able to make an impact all year. So I think it it's time to go and look for a Alan Lazard to get more snaps, uh, a Jake Kumaro. Hell, bring up Ryan Grant, who we signed – um, from the Raiders when Devontae went down, we signed Ryan Grant. He hasn't been on the active roster at all, but why not bring him up? Like, I just, I think it would be beneficial for this offense to do that. Looking at football outsiders stats, um, Devontae or Geronimo Allison has a 62% catch rate. He has a possession receiver. He cannot be catching the ball on just 60% of chances. And just as a kind of comparison, if you look at where Jake Kumaro is in terms of catch percentage, now he, 
is he's actually worse, which is surprising at 59%, but that's also because he barely gets any opportunities. But if you look at the DVOA stats, Jake Kumaro is at 14.9%, so basically 15% for his DVOA. Again, the higher, the better on this. But if you go down to GMO, he he's at a negative 34.2%. Negative 34.2%. That is basically a 50% swing from where GMO is to where uh, Jake Kumaro is. So you tell me who should be getting more snaps. If we go a little bit farther up the depth chart, in my opinion, we have Alan Lazard who's catching 73% of passes. That That's where... Um, number 81 should be. If he's a possession receiver, that's where he needs to be in his catch percentage. Um, and then Lazard is a solid 15.2, so just higher on DVOA than Jake Kumaro. So, again, those guys should be on the field before um, number 81. And then that I just I just don't understand why he's on the field so much. I think he saw I think I saw Tyler mentioned it in our instant reaction pod that he thought he was out on the field a ton. I think it was 62%. 62% of snaps, just way too many. Um at this point, hell, bring Jamon Moore back. <laughs> I would be more okay with him at this point. My last takeaway from this game, and I know I've been blabbering on and on about this and not really even talking about the game, just more of my thoughts of what we need to do to fix it, is the Packers are 8-3. and three. You cannot tell me that if I would have told you after this San Francisco game the Packers are going to be 8-3, and three, you would have been disappointed because you wouldn't have. If you just look, listen to the schedule going into the year, you got the Bears, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Lions, Chargers, Panthers, 49ers. Going into the year, the Bears are supposed to be better. But all those other teams, like, you aren't guaranteed wins against those teams. Um, and the Packers went out and won a lot of those games. They lost to the Eagles, the Chargers, and now the 49ers, obviously, but... They beat some good teams. It's not like they were not tested at all. Um, now they're moving into the easier part of the season. And realistically, if the Packers go out and beat Minnesota on the eve of Christmas Eve, they, I, it should be pretty easy for them to finish 13-3. and three. Because if you look at the upcoming schedule, they got the Giants, who, by the way, are 2-9. and nine. After that, they have the Redskins, who I believe are 2-9 and nine as well, and they have a rookie quarterback starting. Then you have the Bears, who can't move the football. Then you have the Vikings. Again, if you win that game in U.S. Bank Stadium, that's another four wins. And then you have the Lions to close it out. Yeah, the Lions could be playing spoiler, but outside of that, they're not going to be playing for anything. So if they win that Vikings game, they probably should end the year at 13-3. and three. And that's going to give you the North. You beat the Vikings twice, you're going to win the North. Um, 
even if you win the rest of your games and lose to the Vikings, I'm not gar- I'm not guaranteeing that they're going to be able to win all of the rest of their games because they don't have a cakewalk, but they they definitely don't have the hardest schedule, but they don't have a cakewalk as well. They have the Seahawks, which will be a close game, and that's a Monday night game. Then on a short week, on Sunday noon, they play the Lions the following week. Then they have the Chargers, then that Packers game, and then the Bears. So their easiest game in there is the Lions, and then they play the Bears the final week of the season, which, again, could be the Bears are playing to be spoilers. They're probably not going to be playing for anything else. But they have two, three tough games, including that Packer game. So even if the Packers lose that game, the Vikings lose one other game, that means they're at five losses, and I don't see the Packers losing another game. So I think this is set up very well for the Packers. And like I said, if we were 8-3 and three after this San Francisco game, if you told me that at the beginning of the year, I would be absolutely through the moon with a first-year head coach, all that comes with that. You got to be happy with all of that. Um, so let's transition quickly to the Giants game. Again, I wanted to focus on my thoughts of that 49ers game and what has since been churning in my mind about that and what I think needs to happen in the upcoming weeks and hopefully down the postseason run. Um, But like I said, let's transition to the Giants game and talk about what the Packers need to do on Sunday to win against the Giants. The Giants are a 2-9 and football team, so I feel like if the Packers show up, they should win, (laughs) right? I mean, that should be be one that you can kind of show up to and you should be able to win the football game. Now, all joking aside, the NFL is still a very tough league and you have to do more than just show up to a football game to win it. Because these are still NFL players. Yes, they're not a good team, but they are NFL players. They have pride. They are not going to roll over. They want to win football games, and that's what they're going to come out and try to do on Sunday. Um, So for real, my main key to the game is you need to stop slash contain Saquon Barkley. And now you might say, Trevor... He hasn't been good recently, and you're right. He has not been good recently, but are you sure that that's going to continue, especially against a rush defense that is not very good in the Packers' rush defense? Um, I think he is angry and due for a big game. I just hope it's not coming against the Packers because if that happens, who knows what's going to happen in this football game. Um So if we look at the last three games against Dallas three weeks ago or three games ago for the Giants, he had 14 rushes for 28 yards. Against the Jets, he had 13 rushes for one single yard. And against the Bears last week, he had 17 rushes for 59 yards. If you average all of those out, that's two yards a carry two yards a carry. So if he kind of continues the downward spiral he is in currently, that's good for the Packers. And if he gets two yards a carry on Sunday, write this one 
in the win column for the Packers. Um, but if you look back before that, his first five games of the season before these last three, he was averaging 5.04 yards per carry. So which Saquon are we going to get? Are we going to get two yards per carry or five yards per carry, Saquon Barkley? That's going to be a big determinant of this football game. Um, as far as the rest of it, I think if you're able to contain Barkley, even if it's for three to four yards per carry, three, three and a half, four yards per carry, I think you'll be fine. And the rest of it, you just need to have some sort of adjustments. Maybe it's not exactly what I talked about early in this podcast, but I think at least some of that should be able to help in making you have to make some adjustments because it did not seem like they made much, if any, coming out of the bye. Um, so I think if you focus on Saquon defensively and then make some adjustments both offensively and defensively, I think the Packers should win this football game. Let's go in quickly to our DVOA stats. Um, like I said, I just want to get through these nice and quick Um they are pretty much what you would expect the Packers lead in every single one of these categories. So first, offensively, the Giants 25th in the league, 25. So that should help out our defense, and hopefully they can kind of have a get-right game because we haven't seen them play extremely well since, what, week three maybe against the Broncos? Um, the Packers offensively are seventh in the league. They were fifth last week, I believe. Defensively, Giants are 27th. Packers are 22nd. Uh, special teams, Giants are 22nd per DVOA. Packers are 19th. Overall, the New York football Giants are the 29th ranked team in the league per DVOA. And the Packers are the 10th best team in the league. So that really kind of makes a lot of sense based on their records, based on who these teams are at this point. So I, I that just reiterates the fact of the Packers just need to play well and they should be able to win this game because, yes, those are NFL players, but the Packers are just a better football team and they just need to go out and perform, and they should win this football game. Um, I do want to mention some offensive line DVOA stats because there's been a lot of talk of how terrible the offensive line was, and they were not good against the 49ers, but also they are not going to play another defensive line like the 49ers unless they play the 49ers in the playoffs. It's just not going to happen because this is the best front four in football, and they didn't even have D Ford <laughs> against the Packers. So I just wanted to mention that this offensive line is still very good. Even with those stats from last week, the offensive line is still ranked pretty highly um, per DVOA or per football outsider stats. They're not necessarily DVOA. So if we looked at adjusted line yards, again, that's basically a measure of how much push your offense or defensive line is able to get. The Packers rank eighth in the league. They get the eighth most push offensively from the offensive line in the league um, at 4.48. Now they're tied with Indy in the eighth spot for that. The teams above them, Minnesota, Denver, Oakland, 
Baltimore, Buffalo, Dallas, New Orleans. So that's still a pretty impressive rank in the league for being able to create a push, and that should make a lot of sense because Aaron Jones is really good, um, and this offensive line makes him even better because they're able to create a push for him. And really, they're really, really good at second-level yards. They're very good at getting... Aaron Jones to the second level and once Aaron Jones get gets there they're good at he's good at kind of continuing that progress and making them good there they're ranked ninth in second level yards and then if you look at pass protection because that's what you're gonna do when Joey Bo oh Nick Bosa excuse me and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner all got pretty much felt like they were in Aaron Rodgers lap all game on Sunday, um, you look at the pass protection, Green Bay is still good. They are ninth in the league. They have given up 27 sacks, but their adjusted sack rate is 6.3%. Um, so, I mean, they're not, t- they, they're not doing bad. They, it was a really, really, really tough opponent, especially on that defensive front. So, calm down on the offensive line being bad. Um, hopefully Brian Bulaga is back at least for the Vikings game. I would hope he'd be back for that. It sounds like a, a mild MCL sprain for Bulaga. So hopefully give him a couple weeks rest. We'll get him back for the Vikings game and hopefully the stretch run of the season. But our offensive line is okay. It'll be interesting to see if they throw out Alex Light. Um, maybe we see Billy Turner move out to right tackle. Um, I mean, that's kind of what they paid the man for, for his versatility and being able to step up in those situations, knowing that Brian Bulaga was inevitably going to go down. But, and and maybe that opens up the door for a, Luke, a Lucas Patrick to start at right guard if Billy Turner gets bumped out. It'll just be interesting to see, but this offensive line is still good. Um, and I still have confidence in their ability to protect Aaron Rodgers and give Aaron Jones some running lanes. So finally, game prediction. I don't think it's close. I think I'm going to be very, very disappointed. Even if the Packers win like 28-31, to 31, I, w- I will not be a happy camper on the podcast for Monday morning. But... I think the Packers are going to just blow the doors off the Giants. I don't think it's going to be close. I think 45-17, and it's going to be a touchdown late to make that 17. Um, It's going to be basically 45-10 until garbage time. So that's going to be it for the podcast today. Um, Hopefully I am a little bit more correct than I was last week. Because I was the only one to predict a win last week, and unfortunately, that did not happen, obviously. Um, But again, make sure you guys are checking out our other podcasts, Brewers Trilogy Podcast, Bucks Trilogy Podcast. We got some good stuff coming out there. Um, Our Brewers Trilogy Podcast, we just talked with a great guest. He, He helped me become a better Brewer fan, so make sure you guys check that out if you're a Brewers fan. And if you're a Bucks fan, the Bucks are pretty incredible right now they're on a pretty great run so make sure you check out that podcast and make sure you're checking out those games because they are exciting to watch but until next week when the packers are nine and three and leading the nfc north go pack go